This is the Rad Mars Podcast, episode 36. I'm Andy Mindler. And I'm Brendan Trombley. I'm Trevor Williams. I'm Andrew Ford. I'm Roushi. Hi, everybody. How's it going? Hi. Hello. Hey. We're we're in the new year. Just us. Everyone listening has been in the new year for a while. <laughs> yeah. This Let us know how it's been, because we're really curious. Tell us in the future and the past. Yeah. And we'll be waiting for your messages, right? No. Yeah. I don't see any. I can only assume that none of the problems from 2020 carry over to 2021. Nope, it's clean slate. <laughs> that's why they dropped the ball. And that's why we're all buff. Mm. <laughs> what? <laughs> Got started on our resolutions real early. We Mm -hmm. got ripped. Yeah. It's easy to confuse New Year's resolutions with wishes. (laughs) (laughs) The New Year's genie. (laughs) Get a little Buddhist statue and rub his tummy. What happens is actually the uh, the Dragon Balls drop from in New York City and then they come together and then Shenlong Shenrong? What Shenlong? Shenlong shoots up. Is that the reason why, like, the coronavirus came around in order to get everyone off of the streets of New York so whoever could get all the Dragon Balls with no competition? That sounds amazing. That's definitely, like, an arc. Yeah. The, suspects, the suspects are the 12 people that got to, to got to attend in those little boxes. I don't know if you guys... <laughs> that was so weird. That Wait. Really strange. <laughs> There's little boxes of 12 people in Times Square? I didn't actually watch it. It was really weird. Down, the, down Broadway or whatever, they in a very inefficient manner, put these little like penned in boxes that like your, you know, coronavirus pod could attend if you were so lucky. It was only like one half of the street as well. And it was like one blocked off street. It was, it looked really strange. And yeah, and it must have been like the the families of the producers and that was it mostly, you know, and they sat there wearing their Planet Fitness fucking (laughs) uh, everything and just danced awkwardly to these pretty bad performances the whole thing was just a shit show i it was per- honestly it was perfect for 2020 but yeah it just, it was i couldn't weird. believe it the performances were really weird because they were shot like from the front it looks like a normal like new year's eve thing where it's like a stage and stuff but then they would like do a second shot that's like a wider like from the back and show you what's actually going on around the performer and it's just like empty and like it's just like the producers and stuff standing like five feet in front of them and like the cameras and that's it. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> like if you didn't show me that, I wouldn't be fucking depressed right now. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. I didn't watch it, so I have no idea of what these like boxes are you're describing. So I'm kind of envisioning them as like those like, you know, bubble soccer things that people are in, except cubicle with like extending arms and legs so that they can just sort of walk around as big cubes and run into each other. No, that would be amazing. Imagine, imagine those those dumb like metal gate things. They just like will slide in front of like a street to close it off, and mm-hmm. then they draped a Planet Fitness like logo over it. Why? Yeah, and then everything did four of those. Fitness. Oh my god, it was the most purple and yellow monstrosity. Was the year twenty twenty brought to us by Planet Fitness? Twenty twenty one. Yes, it was. That's why it was terrible. There was some messaging about like, and you could you can we send you workouts to your home, like. Like that's like a service that they yeah, provide that's so what that I you don't want. go to their go to their gyms and contract coronavirus so like what do they what do they send you at your house like a, a piece of paper with like do 20 crunches like what's <laughs> just one piece okay. of paper it's like do push up today <laughs> tomorrow pull up yeah 
<laughs> Love Planet Get Fitness. strong. You're like, this is what I'm paying for? Like something that 10 seconds of Googling would tell you the exact same thing? I mean, like, that's what their app is, essentially the same as well. Like, you could Google, like, like YouTube videos of, like, how to do a workout, and you would get the exact same shit. That's stupid. Yes. If you're listening to this Planet Fitness, the person, the person named Planet Fitness, <laughs> I don't like you, and your business model is dumb. Oh, there goes our sponsorship. Yeah, fuck up. <laughs> we just lost. We just, we're just burning bridges. Yeah, just gonna. I was just gonna put on my Planet Fitness hat for all of you to see on the camera. Hey, like, if they guys, own all of 2021. They also own this particular podcast. Mm. In other news, Rashi yeah. will no longer be appearing on the podcast for un- <laughs> unrelated reasons. <laughs> Until he gets fucking ripped. Yeah, I'll be yoked and I'll be like, fitness! Muscle Mike! <laughs> Muscle Mike! <laughs> Transform. I don't know, it sounds fun. No. Get swole. <laughs> Wait, what sounds fun? <laughs> Having muscles, we're not getting. <laughs> oh, good grief! So what a this great, year is going. What well a great year already. already. Well, what if they just sort of shipped the muscles to your door instead? You know, it's kind of like HelloFresh or something. Do, what, what do I do? Like tape them to me? Like <laughs> you eat them? Yeah. I mean, I'm doing a pretty good job of that. You know, I ordered barbecue the other day. Like, <laughs> I mean, they say getting ripped is like ninety percent diet, right? And by they, I mean I just made that up. Well, it's mm. actually fairly true. It, it it's like it's what twenty five percent done in the kitchen, uh, uh, gym, and seventy five percent in the kitchen. That's like the word. yeah, uh, yeah. Seventy five percent is hunting ripped people and eating them and gaining mm. their strength. Yeah, I can see why you'd want to just get the Dragon Ball instead. That seems a lot easier. I actually found it really difficult for a while. I was I tried to build a bit of muscle back when I was doing a lot more um, parkour. And I did the math, like, you know, I, I did like an app that told me, like, like I put in like my age and my weight and whatever. And it was like, you have to eat like this many calories a day. And it was like double the amount of calories I'm used to eating. And I yeah. was like, it felt disgusting to try to like mm-hmm. choke down that many calories per day. Yeah. I, I only, I only kept it up for like a half a year. I gained, not even half a year, a few months. I gained maybe 10 pounds, probably less, probably like five or six. And That's then quite a I bit. got grossed out. Yeah, stopped. <laughs> like I had a roommate in college who nothing had nothing but chicken um, breast. Yeah, like he would just have to eat like a block of cheese. Like he'd have to eat six thousand calories a day because he was so yoked, and he wouldn't even enjoy any of it. He's just like, "This is what I have to eat today." They're like, "Oh, smells so miserable, miserable." Who are you talking about? Uh, you didn't know him. Uh, he was like, he went to U of R. He was like an English major. He looked like Clark Kent. It was really weird, and he was like extremely smart, but also like. Like a muscle head? I don't know. It was really weird. Renaissance man. He like fucks up the bell curve, you know? Like you're not supposed to be both. You're supposed to be like a meathead and like really dumb, not like well-educated and well-read. Could he also see through walls and fly? Probably. <laughs> you never know. He rode his bike everywhere. No, It's not a D&D stat distribution. Like... Uh, no, it is, okay? I played enough video games to know. <laughs> no, if it is, we all suck at character creation. Yeah. I mean, we killed a rat, so I'm like level one. I guess. I don't know. Maybe I'm <laughs> level two. Maybe I've done enough quests to like, you know, just get past the curve. I don't know what counts as a quest, though. Like, does like your parents telling you to go mow the lawn give you like 500 XP? I don't know. Maybe if, if any all the thousands of quests in video games I have consumed, any random task that one person assigns to another is a quest. Yeah. 
But then why don't they give me like green pants to put on? They give me plus five strength. That's what Christmas is for. That oh. they give you the rewards for all the quests that you've accumulated <laughs> over the year. What's true? What a yeah. shit system. <laughs> Attach some uh, microtransactions. These are the socks of plus five wisdom. <laughs> Treasure them. Hey, I'm wearing a shirt. Have you ever thought about like the fact that certain things in in life have cooldowns and certain things in life actually have stats? Right? Like, like glasses give you plus five vision, and like coats are like cold resistance, and like mm. swallowing has a cooldown. I say, what's an example of something with a cooldown? Yeah, swallowing. That's a very fast mm-hmm. cooldown. <laughs> yeah, but you can't like immediately swallow after you finish swallowing, right? Like, I guess you can't technically, yeah, spam swallow. And it's swallow like it's, it's on the GCD. Second, <laughs> I mean, like, this is kind of like, is, I guess, pooping. Yeah, it's pooping. A cool it's peeing, a cooldown. But... Yeah, <laughs> you prepping my, my shit's on a cooldown. <laughs> You're playing Death Stranding. Oh. Hold hold L two to prepare and, and R two to fire. For some yeah, reason, the, the cooldown's going down really quick. <laughs> we got to travel. <laughs> this is the topic of five people whose brains are completely ruined. <laughs> <laughs> this is a podcast of two, <laughs> five complete idiots. <laughs> yeah. It's devolving into uh, Reddit's r slash outside. That's like this enti- the entire point of that subreddit is pretending real life is an is a MMO, and they talk about real life outside as a game. Oh really? Waggle to change topics. I mean, I'll I'll <laughs> subscribe to that. I'll read stupid shit. <laughs> uh, they refer to the election. I think they're referring to the election as the next patch. <laughs> oh dang! Yeah, <laughs> just dumb shit like that. <laughs> revert. It's yeah. a revert patch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, full system reboot, please. Yeah, I'm a big fan of um, the YouTube channel, uh, like Earth Tier List or whatever. Where like the different like like the Pleistocene eras are like different patches, you know, and they're like going over the tier list. It's like, uh, yeah, you're expecting the poison all the way, and that's really bad because you have to get eaten for it to work. You want to be expecting into venom, you know. And the <laughs> classes, quote unquote, are different animals, organisms. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Oh, good. The oxygen upgrade just got unlocked. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like that, like totally fucked over the world for a long time now, because. Yeah. Um, used to be full of CO2, and then, like, all the oxygen plants, like, exploded. And then they all killed themselves because there was no CO2-creating plants. Were you here when we were talking about that as a topic? I don't think so. Because, yeah, like, we actually <laughs> talked about that in depth. Thanks for retreading that fucking ground, Mike. <laughs> great. I watched PBS eons. I know about that. We, well, we did talk about the, the we talked about the Carboniferous period, yeah, where all the yeah. CO2 got locked up in, in wood. <laughs> And wood wasn't able to be uh, digested by anything yet, so it just became permanent. <laughs> wood, 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 wood became permanent, and yeah, and then all the carbon got sucked up and trapped up into the wood. Hard wood. wood, yeah, yeah. perma wood. The earth had perma wood. Well, that's where the oil came big. from. Yep, yep. Black gold, coal. Texas tea. <laughs> Anyways, we were talking Sorry. about video games, mm-hmm. and you guys wanted to talk about video games. Yeah, so. I think one thing I was kind of thinking about lately is like the tendency for certain games to kind of break the fourth wall, so to speak. I think because games are interactive, there's a little more like games kind of have to be aware of the player, but games also, uh, well, games have to be aware of the player for like tutorializing and things like that. They have to kind of, games usually have to teach you how to play it themselves. So there's some, some aspects. Press me. Press me. (laughs) Hey, you, hey, you with the controller. Hey, you do this thing. But also immerse yourself in this world, please. 
<laughs> yeah. So that kind of rubs against things a little bit. Actually, one thing I was thinking of just right off the bat is like, I don't know if you guys played uh, Dark Souls Remastered. So usually Dark Souls has a really clever way of tutorializing, actually, where it's still kind of like fourth wall breaky because they have to, have to tell you the controls. So like normally if people don't know that in Dark Souls, there's like messages on the ground that usually people leave. But occasionally there's like fixed ones in the world that are like made by the developers to <laughs> usually just the tutorials at the beginning. So there will be a one at the right at the start that's like press X to swing your weapon and stuff like that. So it's just like, yeah, yeah. just telling the controls just to make Basic it shit. Look it up. Yeah. And there's also a really weird one. I think that maybe they added a remaster that was like at the end of that area where it's just like, good job, go forward. I'm like, why did they put that in there? It's like, it's so unnecessary. <laughs> Great job. We love to, you. Like, not walk up the giant staircase into the next part of the game. Demon so, unlock. You moved I, the camera. I bet you. I bet you that came about out of some like analytics bullshit where it was like, for some reason after this part, we see a huge drop off in player base where just people just normally stop playing because people don't play video games. Like they'll play like the first 10 minutes of video games and then stop playing. Like that is a huge like amount of what happens. And so they were probably just like, okay, I know how to fix this. We put a little sign you that says, keep walking. They're like, yeah. um, it's a little Got a little it. kitten hanging from a tree branch. That says, yeah. hey, we got to entice Well, them. in fucking Demon Souls, they had the real Demon Souls begins now, which sounds cooler. Then good job. Go forward. What the fuck? Don't patronize <laughs> me, you piece of shit. <laughs> I just wanted to tell you I love you. Mm -hmm. um, I'm proud so before, of you. <laughs> before we get too deep into the weeds of fourth wall breaking, let's make sure we know what fourth, the fourth wall is and what breaking it means. So... I mean, I'm assuming, I'm assuming most of you guys. Do you guys know where the actual term the fourth wall comes from? Camera. Uh, Almost. So imagine a, a, a stage play, right? And you're like looking into someone's living room and the actors are performing. Now, a living, a living room would have normally four walls and you can see three of them from your perspective as, as an audience member, right? So like one, two, three would be like left back and right wall. And then the fourth wall would be this like invisible wall that's between you and the actors. And, you know, in most stage plays, the actors will and, and the characters within you know they act as if that that fourth wall exists even though it really doesn't exist because otherwise you wouldn't be able to see into what, the action that was happening so breaking the fourth wall would mean when those characters or actors you know uh, acknowledge the audience and acknowledge or acknowledge that they're part of a play or part of a piece of media and and breaking that sort of invisible boundary between the two. Oh my god what the fuck are all these people doing here in seats <laughs> i'm pretty sure that's a way that the fourth wall has been broken right they don't acknowledge that they're part of the media but they do acknowledge that there's an audience that's that that i don't know i don't know how much depth there is to plumb there but i've definitely seen that before more more often it's like the the character like will tongue-in-cheek be like yep i'm part of this story world fiction you dear audience are coming along on the ride with me or blah 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 like that kind of thing Ho ho, dear readers. Ho ho, ho ho. Wait, what is that from? That's Wizard from people, Wizard dear people. reader. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Just to give a specific example, um, I'm thinking of the original Metal Gear Solid uh, during the Psycho Mantis uh, fight, and uh, the developers programmed it so that it would look at your memory card and see what other games you've played. And basically have Psychomantis co comment on it. Like I had played Castlevania Symphony of the Night and had a saved game on it. So Psychomantis is like, "Oh, you like Castlevania, don't you?" <laughs> um, Let me read your mind. That's exactly the quote that he uses in that Ego Raptor animation from Metal Gear Solid. Mm -hmm. Right, awesome. Metal Gear, awesome. 
they they even kept that for the when they remade it on the GameCube. So like it'll read your GameCube saves and be like, "Oh, you like Mario?" But <laughs> <laughs> well, Isabel in Animal Planet, you haven't given her a gift in ten years. Oh my god, Animal, I Planet, Animal Crossing, and I haven't given it. Everyone in my Animal Crossing village is probably dead and gone. Oh, I haven't gone back in months. In. Yeah, I haven't checked in since it like does. April. It's just Tomikashi. skeletons and bones. <laughs> like everyone will be dead there. It's a um, fucking graveyard in here. Yeah. What was that other amazing game that had like the the psychosis like fourth wall stuff? Um, Eternal Darkness. And oh the yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was really cool. Eternal Darkness, Sanity's Requiem. Yeah, yeah. it's like weird fourth wall stuff, but it, like in a horror context, was really cool. Where like, yeah, there's a part where your guy was walking through um, this like scary dungeon, and he's like kind of undead, but like your arm falls off randomly, and then your head explodes while you're walking <laughs> around. And I don't know, it's it's like very like scary and unnerving. There's a whole bunch of like weird stuff like that that happens in that yeah. game. But um, the most terrifying thing that could possibly happen in a horror game is if you lose your save file. Yes, it they is. They do have that. <laughs> they do have that. Wait, I don't. I don't. I've never. I've never played Eternal Darkness. I don't actually know anything about it or what it is. Yeah, sorry. I was gonna. Oh, I wanted to explain it. So it's a horror game. Um, came out for GameCube in like two thousand one or something. Um, it's very much like very very Lovecraft inspired. So like a big mechanic in the game is sanity and like the story of the game and is, like, racism. No, no, no. This not, is, not this is the like you know happy. Lovecraft, not like the racist Lovecraft. Yeah, plushy, plushy Cthulhu's and <laughs> non-Euclidean geometry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So a horror game with like you know spooky eldritch elder gods and stuff, and again with the Lovecraft kind of theme, one of the main mechanics is sanity. So you have like your health bar, you got your magic bar, and you have your sanity bar. Every time you like see an enemy or if you see some terrible shit, your sanity bar goes down, and as the lower your sanity is, the more like sanity insanity effects that happen. So like, like Rashi said, one of the things is like your character will just fall apart randomly. Like your head falls off or like you explode <laughs> or you walk into a room and like a million enemies attack you and kill you. But it's like, Oh, it was just a hallucination. Um, and there's like milder stuff where it's like, if you have most of your sanity, you'll see like the, the, the statue will like move its head, look at you and creepy stuff oh, like that. So awesome. I was yeah, going to say that sounds much better than amnesia's the like, sanity stuff where it just kind of like gets wobbly. Yeah. Oh no. Weird noises. Yeah. I mean, Amnesia is is like a much scarier game though. Like in general, if you play it at night uh, in the dark without any people around, Amnesia is like horrifying. It's so scary. But like every piece of horror media, you have to like actually let yourself be immersed in it. If you disconnect from it, then you're you're just going to laugh at it. But I don't know. It's a much better built game <laughs> yeah the one complaint i had about eternal darkness um in the sanity system is at some point in the game not too far into it you get a spell that restores your sanity so it's like experiencing any and all of the insanity effects was kind of like an optional choice it like was never actually something that you really had to deal with so i have a question how how was like the sanity effects how was that fourth wall breaking yeah, so there's there's more than just the gameplay stuff, right? So as we were talking about, there's gameplay effects where like your character freaks out or dies or whatever. There's also mm-hmm. sanity effects that are directed at the player directly. Okay. So there's some really funny ones. Like 
it, there's one where like there'll be like a bug crawling across the screen, so you'll think there's a bug on your screen. Oh, nice. part of the game. Yeah. There's a classic one from Metal Gear Solid where your video cuts out and it shows like the VHS like video thing in the top right, uh, mm. and it says "hideo" instead of "video." <laughs> well, that's Metal Gear Solid, <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah, and also another one Eternal Darkness has. They have, there's like a lot of them. There's one where like it gets quieter and there's like a volume bar that's going down as if someone's turning down the volume on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's the one that we mentioned already, which was like uh, it deletes your save. Or like you go to save and it actually, as you move your inputs, it actually moves to the delete thing and it's like deleting. <laughs> and it, the bar fills up. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but like, man, my favorite one, and this was actually a really interesting kind of recontextualization, what was, which actually what, what was happening was I was playing it, I've been playing it recently just on an emulator, so it runs really well on Dolphin, um, and a really funny one <laughs> that they added, or that they added in the first place, which kind of doesn't make sense, is that one of the effects is a blue screen of death, which Ooh. on a GameCube doesn't make sense, but when you're playing Whoa. on an emulator on a PC, that shit fucks you up. <laughs> nice. I was like, Oh my god, my is... fucked. Oh, wait a minute. No, <laughs> that is very good and also very like why would they put it on uh ah that's super weird. Jesus. Yeah, I thought it was that's so amazing. funny that like it just that thing was just nonsense. It was like a joke. Like the, like you wouldn't get it unless you like had played PC games and it just doesn't make, doesn't make any sense in context, but like when you play an emulator, that shit hits. Yeah. Me. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> An already shaky system. <laughs> yeah. Right. God, um, awesome. I had a quick question about Eternal Darkness. Is that are there enough things that happen like in the real quote unquote real universe of the game that are also similarly crazy? So you are comparing like you're you're still kind of wondering whether the thing in the game is real or not. You know, like are there, for instance, actual monsters or actual like supernatural things happening that you may or may not be sure whether that's a hallucination or not? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like the um I mean, you actually are fighting actual monsters in the game most of the time. So okay. it's like, um, yeah, so the sanity thing isn't really you questioning what's going on. It's kind of just like, like Trevor said, it's almost more of like an Easter egg yeah. where like the sanity effects will kind of just happen and then it'll be like, oh, this isn't happening and then it'll go back to normal. So yeah. it's not a, like a prolonged thing. It'll just be like a really quick, like, oh, I'm crazy. Oh, no, that was fine. So <laughs> no. it's, it's, yeah. really, it's, a, it's a bit of a gimmick, honestly, but it's kind of a fun gimmick. Yeah, they, they they like do it like there's enough unique ones and they do it rarely enough that it, it always feels cool. Um, you know, it's like they got you. You're like, oh, oh, you know, you clutch your pearls and you're like, oh, they got me. I got got. They could have been better. I mean, they had to have been one of the first games to like do that whole like sanity bar and like sanity effects in a video game. Right. Like that I can think of. Mm hmm. Metal Gear Solid was like the Game first Cube? one that I can ever think of doing that directly, but well, that's um, true. I mean, it's not like Eternal Darkness is very far after Metal Gear Solid, you know. But also, Metal Gear Solid didn't do sanity systems. Only for the Psycho Mantis fight, yeah. Right, but yeah, there was a lot of like weird other fourth wall stuff in Metal Gear Solid, though. Like just in general, it's bizarre. Like in Psycho Mantis, the Colonel tells you to plug your controller into port two because Psycho Mantis yeah. is reading your mind. Um, but also like throughout the game, the Colonel actually tells you what the buttons are. He's like, press the select button, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, like he actually physically tells you, but that's also part of like, it's like a little bit of like tutorialization, like yeah. fourth wall breaking where it's like, you kind of have to just because of the medium. Like, 
But you wouldn't expect, like, the voiced character of the colonel in-universe to be telling Snake, push the select button, you know? Normally that would be, like, a prompt on the screen or something. Yeah. So it's, like, a little bit different. It's kind of weird. Um, I guess there's a whole other can of worms of Metal Gear Solid 2, but that's, like, more <laughs> of a, like, postponer nightmare than... Yeah. I guess there's a lot of fourth wall in that, too, but I need Scissors 61. <laughs> like what other games break the fourth wall i mean those are games those are all games where like breaking the fourth wall is like a small part of it right are there yeah. what are games that like the entire point of the game is to break the fourth wall so something i'm thinking about are games that sort of break the fourth wall but kind of sort of try to phrase it in terms of how the game works itself um so i don't know if it's explicitly breaking the fourth wall or trying to make it part of the game itself and the game's to make this a little bit more concrete, the game I'm thinking of is Undertale, mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. which is brilliant in the way that it breaks the fourth wall, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, spoilers for Undertale. So I definitely wouldn't recommend, you know, listening to this if you haven't played it before. But it's one of the first experiences in the game. Um, you sort of, you know, fall into the world of monsters and then, you know, you get told about, you know, like the systems by Flowery about, you know, power and whatnot. And then, you know, you fight your way, your, you know, talk your way through the underground. And then you, at the end of it, have to, you know, fight um, what's-her-face uh, in order to escape, you know, the house and go to the broader world. But, you know, she doesn't actually want to, you know, fight you or kill you. She just wants to stop you from going on and getting killed. Um, and in the fight, there's a couple tricks that they employ um, in this. So first off, you have the option in Undertale of either fighting enemies or sparing them and then trying to talk your way through. And you want to spare her, but you find that spare does nothing. So you try to think, like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm going to fight her to get her down low, and then I'm going to spare her. And so you find out your attack does this much damage, and then I'm like, okay, she's getting low. So one more attack, and I should, you know, get her to, you know, really low life. But they actually have your last attack do, like, quadruple damage or something. So it's like, you don't mean to kill her, but all of a sudden, boom, she's dead. And then you go on to the next place, um, and then you can load the game at that point, and then go back, redo the fight, and then spare her. And then when you go back, you start talking to Flowey again, Flowey, um, which is a character that sort of breaks the fourth wall. And he's like, I saw what you did. You just killed her. But then you felt bad about it, so you loaded the previous save, and then went back and then spared her. <laughs> and I was like whoa what the hell because <laughs> it's like that is absolutely what just happened yep. and then the game like the game set you up to do that and then called you out for doing it yeah so like but the thing is like in that game in that universe like save points and whatnot are you know part of the system sort of kind of so like it's i mean they're sort of contextualizing it within the systems of the game but it is sort of fourth wall breaking that you're explicitly talking about save points and whatnot so anyway yeah yeah, I, I played it. I love that game. It's one of probably one of my favorite RPGs ever. I also love how, and I, this is kind of a more major spoiler for the towards the end of the game, is that there is a boss that actually can manipulate the saving and loading, and it kind of like quick saves and quick loads out from under you as you're trying to like maneuver and dodge stuff in the boss fight, and it's like fucking with the state of the game as you're trying to fight it. It's just so clever and cool. I love that game. Yeah. There's, I don't know, there's so many amazing little details like that in that game. Like the whole thing is built on that structure. I don't know. It's, it's fantastic. All right. Are, are, are we ready to tag uh, back and in? And spoilers. And spoilers. Uh, I just mind putting my headphones back on so Brandon can listen. 
Uh, and that's how you defeat the final boss. And that's what happens at the end. <laughs> and you kill King Gordon and get the golden egg of sacrifice. And everyone okay. has sex. Mm-hmm. Whoa, that's not what I <laughs> expected those from games. the end of this. But it's like, um, you know, Mass Effect dry humping, not like really anything going on. <laughs> They're all wearing clothes. <laughs> uh, I'm sure everything that Trevor said was correct and really good and very mm-hmm. insightful. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you got to play Undertale, my dude. Man, what the fuck? The yeah. game's great. I actually haven't played Undertale, but yeah. <laughs> I don't care about spoilers. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Anyway, fourth wall. So there's another thing that's interesting. Um, I've been meaning to play it for a long time, but there's a game called Spec Ops The Line, which I don't know if you know too much about this game, but on the surface, it ports itself as like a a pretty much by the numbers, early 20 whatever's Call of Duty game. But the whole game is like a subversion of like how like shitty and horrifying like the constant violence in the video game is. Like at a certain point, you hit like a turning point. And the whole game is just like, look at how much of a fucking insane lunatic you are just murdering these people just because we said you had to. Like, I don't know. It's like, it's apparently incredibly well done and, and really worth it. Um, so I've been meaning to, I, I definitely, I, I picked it up. I just haven't played it yet. So my Steam backlog. Um, but the whole game is built around that, basically. Yeah, I'd, I'd heard about that. I, would, I have also haven't played it, but I was kind of under the impression that like, uh, I mean, there's a way that can go wrong where if, like, the game is, like, judging you for playing it, it's like, well, you didn't give me a choice. It's like, you expect yeah. me to just put down this game that I paid $60 for and not play it? It's like, right. fuck you. <laughs> like, you're, <laughs> you you're, gave, you're the one you, not giving me a choice of being a good person in the game. Yeah. So right. why are you judging me for doing shitty stuff? I've, I've heard about that game, and that was my takeaway was that was what was happening was that they're like oh look at you you just like you're a monster you kill all these guys and it's like yeah that is my only like verb in this game is murder <laughs> like what else did you expect me to do just sit here and not do anything well i think yeah. aren't they making a big a greater commentary on games as a whole it's 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 like yeah it's more of about, that it's more about of, murdering they are yeah <laughs> like and that's my take on it at least my take from reading people talking about it. I haven't played the game yet, but, um, but I mean, it's also interesting too, because, um, from a certain perspective, Metal Gear Solid 2 is trying to do a lot of the same things, but in like a insane Kojima way, (laughs) uh, like this, there's a whole bunch of postmodern gobbledygook in there, but like the whole, like the core of it is kind of the same thing. Like, there's a line at the end where he's like, you're playing a video game, man. Go outside. What the fuck is wrong with you? You know, like, you've been playing this game for a really long time. Um, but I don't know. Like, that kind of stuff is very interesting to me just because it, there's definitely a novelty factor to it because there's not too many games, at least in general, that do that other than, like, the boilerplate shit that you have to do, like menus and UI and HUD and stuff. I guess HUD is another topic we could talk about in general, too. Oh, I actually like... have a game example that, that has to do with that a little. Oh, no, go ahead. Uh, did you ever play the Flash game Achievement Unlocked? No. <laughs> it was, so of course it was like a meta commentary on the rise of achievements in games, which was happening around the time that game came out, which was like, I don't know, 2008-ish. Yeah, and it's also the rise of the whole Flash game thing. It's like Yeah, yeah all Flash happened. games are sort of in their heyday still. And um, Rip Flash. Flash uh, I know, yeah, but, that's right. Yeah, Like literally, like actually Rip. It's, it's yeah. now after the death. Oh, mm-hmm. pour one out. Pour one out. anyways um uh in achievement unlocked you know it's like a a very basic like platforming game and you're this little like elephant character that doesn't even animate and it just plays this like doofy music and the entire game is just figuring out the achievements in the game and unlocking them so like 
the first every time you press like the uh, direction key for the first time you get an achievement you jump for the first time you get an achievement you like light up like you know 10 squares you get an achievement and you collect 10 coins you get an achievement and then like there's like i think literally like a hundred or more achievements in the game and all the game is is discovering and achieving all the achievements um (laughs) which i think to me is like the epitome of fourth wall breaking right like there's no game in there except for the game of getting like meta progression (laughs) yeah yeah. like there's no story that elephant has not got any kind of quest the environment has no sort of um oh i'm gonna i'm gonna pull out a doozy of a word diegetic oh boy i think is diegetic in that game (laughs) (laughs) i think i'm using that correctly like i'll crucify myself if i didn't Mm -hmm. right but diegetic means like within the universe of of itself um i whenever i think of diegetic i think of uh dead space I think of insulin the and UI. diabetes. Oh. The UI. Diabetic. In, uh... This game has diabetic audio. <laughs> <laughs> so when we're talking about dead space in the UI, the word that comes to mind is skeuomorphism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's another similar yeah. one. What? Well, that's like part of it. No. <laughs> no. There can be skeuomorphic designs. That's what most of them are, man. No, skeuomorphic, it, it, that actually, no, doesn't, doesn't work because uh, the menus and stuff, are like digitally digital like displays they don't look like anything real skeuomorphic would mean that like the menus look like something it by diegetic means it exists in the space of the world oh, you're talking about like the context a of physical... dead space so like in la noir right his like sketchbook yes. is both diegetic and skeuomorphic yeah. yes Ooh. correct i didn't realize you were still in the context of <laughs> of uh what the hell dead space but yeah I get all yep. of the game design 102 points. We're that. talking about there you go. terms. That's what this podcast <laughs> is about. Terms. Technical terms. Academic. We're the best, most academic games people you'll ever meet. Sure I am. Hey, let's talk about one more really great uh, uh, fourth wall breaking game. <laughs> the, the doozy of the <laughs> yeah yeah the stanley parable i was hoping that's what you're gonna say or else i was gonna throw you up <laughs> you're like god damn it that's like the quintessential fourth wall break game though right like pretty much yeah that's why i brought it up and why we're bringing it up like last i've actually only played it basically i'm actually like roush but not because i refused to play it once i just didn't have the time to play it oh. again yet mm. but so the stanley parable uh is a game in which you are in like a first person perspective in a 3d environment I think you start off in like an office and there's like a narrator narrating the story or what you're doing but mm-hmm. the what what happens is like you can choose to follow what the narrator says you're about to do or not and you actually develop a relationship with the narrator based on like what he tells you to do and whether you're not you're you know reacting in the way he expects you to and he like responds to like what you're doing and how you react to him so he's just like he like comments on you kind of going against what he's saying and shit but yeah he'll say stuff like and then he went through the door and if you like take a left and start rummaging through drawers he'll be like oh i mean uh first he rummaged through the drawers and then he went through the door (laughs) and then you know maybe you go through the door maybe you don't and like doesn't the game i think this is like half remembered memories from years and years ago but like the actual space of the world starts to get really like trippy right like it it stops stops making sense and like Mm -hmm. It really breaks down and the narrator starts to become your antagonist. I think like even if you like go against what he says or like you just kind of like muck up against it, like your first time through the game is like pretty much always the same. But it's like by repeating the game over and over again, 
things start to like unravel and like the narrator starts to unravel and like space starts to unravel and it's like on the repeated playthroughs things start like getting real weird and that's not just because you are exploring unexplored avenues it's because the game itself is designed like that's part of it is like replay is an essential part of the yes oh okay yeah i see this is right I should probably reinstall it and uh, play it again it's not a it's not a very long game like right. so you you can like it's definitely worth putting the time into to like playing around with it and just like constant like it just going up against it because some like i think there's a one spot where like you have to go through like an iteration of it like maybe like two times and it doesn't seem like anything's changed like maybe a small change but then like then bigger things start to happen it's like it tries to like lull you into like um so one question so since i didn't play enough of it to figure this out like does the game have like a is it like a, a point or like a message or a theme right because like fourth wall breaking and self-aware art and what you Roush, you kind of said this already it's like postmodern. that's a, kind of what postmodern could be one, one way you interpret the word postmodern at least in the way that when you reference it to art it's usually trying to say something about that art form or about the art itself like what what is the stanley parable trying to say about itself or about games it's been a long time since i played it like a really long time now that i think about it um so i i can't remember like what if it had like a message is it just like a message about like choice in games and like what games try to tell like you know, sometimes games try to prevent you with, like, quote-unquote choices, but they're really not choices. Like, that's kind of where my brain would go. Mm. You know, and, like, and you want to, and sometimes when it, you feel like a game is trying to tell you what to do, you you instinctually want to go against that. And this game's, like, designed to react to that. I don't know. That's that's where I would get at. I don't know if that's, like, a deep message, though. Yeah, I think it's kind of, it's more of, like, I think the point is just it's kind of an exploration of the space of games and, like, game design and, and creating like you're saying, creating choice for players. Like, I think there's some endings where it's just like, the nerd's just like, I give up. There's nothing left. I can't think of anything. You're just done. And then you're just in like a white void and like, you can't do anything. You just have to quit the game or something like that. Yeah. 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 It's, not, it's like a, yeah. more of a conversation than a, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think of. it's like, comment, <laughs> I don't think it's like commentating on like the state of games or like what it means to have choice in games. I think it's more of like contemplating on like how people make choices how can a game respond to choice um yeah it's i don't think it's like trying to say anything necessarily like mm -hmm. you know concrete like mm, choice is bad and it's more of just like hey this is a wacky way of doing stuff and also the production values on it are extremely high uh like all the voice acting is very good and all of the like situations and level design is very interesting yeah but I only played the one playthrough. It's an exploration and a conversation about blah 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 blah. Mm. It also sounds like it's maybe like a like a just a surrealism. It, that's yeah. something just kind of going for surrealism as well. Mm -hmm. There's definitely a good bit of that, like in some of the playthroughs. <laughs> so is that all we got to say about the Stanley Parable? Yep, that's all I got. <laughs> it's also been like five years since i played it so <laughs> did you get the achievement i don't think so i have oh side note you get an achievement for not playing the game after five years or playing the game after not playing it for five years i'd have uh, to look at like how much time has passed since i last played it if that's not self-aware i don't know what is there's also like a uh 
<laughs> speaking of achievements in that game, there's actually, I just remembered there's a, I think if you look at the Steam achievement list, there's one that says, getting this achievement is impossible. <laughs> and <laughs> technically in the game, in the first part of the game, it was not impossible. There was some weird way where you could like clip through something and get it. But then the game continually got like patched. So the developer kept changing it. So like it made it harder and harder to get. And then at some point it actually became impossible to actually get the achievement. <laughs> <laughs> Can't have that on PSN, man. They don't, they don't like that. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say. I don't know if that was the intent <laughs> was to like have that story happen or if it was a reactive thing, but it was still pretty funny. That's great. <laughs> well, yeah, this was our treatsy on breaking the fourth wall in video games. In conclusion, shall we take a break? <laughs> yeah, let's take a break. Take a break. All right, welcome back. Do you guys want to do? Hey, check this out. Check this out. I've actually well, too got bad. one. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Well, the goodbye, everybody, instead. <laughs> anyway, um, so what I was going to recommend is, I guess, on January 1st, uh, Mad Max Fury Road became available on HBO Max. Oh, fuck and yes! I not, and I did not see it when it was out in <laughs> theaters like five years ago. So I just saw it for the first time yesterday, and it was a trip. What? Oh, really? Yeah, My God. I, I would highly recommend it to anyone who has not seen it at this point. It's easily because... my favorite movie of the year. Maybe one of my favorite movies within the last five years. Oh, my God. I love yeah. that movie. The year 2015 when it came out? Yeah. yeah I was like, what? Of, of that year. Did that I not year. say that year? Did I say you the said year? year. Yeah, you <laughs> oh, wow. The year. The year. Yeah. <laughs> it's easily my favorite movie of 2021. You can quote me on that. <laughs> my favorite so movie far. of the year was Casablanca. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyway, like the, the movie was just um, a tremendous amount of fun and looked like it had to have been a lot of fun to work on just in terms of like the vehicles that they built and rendered um, the sort of like dialect they came up with, with like McFeast and Guzzoline, all the sort of like random variations on common terms mm -hmm. and sort of like in universe play that they had. Aquacola. Oh, God. It's just one of the best movies of that 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 encapsulates the idea of show don't tell. Mm -hmm. They communicate so much about like their culture and why everything is the way that it is, just by like showing what the characters do, never explaining anything to some like outsider character. It, it just happens, and you understand it because the editing is on point and the writing is on point, and it's it's as simple as it can possibly be without being like uh, plain. You know, like it's 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 mm -hmm. a gloriously simple movie with so much like unexpected depth. I just it is probably in my top. I, I feel like it's one of the best constructed movies I've ever seen, if not the most best constructed. Like, just great film as a film for being a film. Yeah. All right, I'm so just feeling you check this out because I love this movie so much. Yeah. Also, the music kicks ass. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh, yes. And the fact that they had a car, which was nothing but like a set of drummers on the back of it, and one guy with a guitar and amplifiers and speakers in the front was amazing. There's flamethrower on the whammy bar. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, did you know that movie wasn't written like a screen? Like, it was not a screenplay. It was planned from the get go by storyboards, not yeah. a written script. Interesting. There's thousands of them. I want to get an art book that has as many of them as possible. Um, in some of the behind the scenes stuff, there's like a bunch of like they're always looking at all the different storyboard panels, and it it just looks so fucking good. I don't know. The so, other thing that that movie did really well, uh, it did this editing trick with like center framing where basically most almost always the action begins and ends in the center of the screen when you when you make a cut so that the the audience never gets lost their eyes always looking at the place they they want you to be looking for the next cut and so that that's one reason that makes all these really complex action scenes like really easy to follow there's so much so much clever filmmaking done in that movie one thing i wanted to ask about um since you had mentioned specifically about the show don't tell um, and I definitely agree with that with the majority of the movie itself. But at the very beginning, there's sort of like a sequence of like, you know, text in terms of there's nuclear war and bad stuff happening and so on and so forth. So there's I felt like there was a bit of telling at the beginning, but I don't know if that's necessarily, you know, a real problem or anything like that. I think that's because there were how many Mad Max movies, Three. two Mad Max movies, Three? Three Mad Max movies from like the 80s, right? Yeah. And so, like, a good amount of time has passed since those, and so they were probably like, we need to kind of do something to cue people in, because there's going to be a huge amount of the audience that has not seen those three movies. Yeah, I mean, on a certain level, too, like, Mad Max as a as an intellectual property doesn't rely on that, though, because Mad Max himself is, like, more of a folk hero. Like, there's no continuity between the Mad Max movies. Like, there sort of is. Like, it's very loose. But like, yeah, but I mean, like they needed to give you some like idea of like the world state. Here's a boilerplate Mad Max intro in 20 seconds. All right. The movie starts and it doesn't stop for two hours. (laughs) I I was also going to say, is this supposed to take place in the same universe as the other Mad Max movies? Because I just kind of assumed it was a reboot. Yeah, it's it's sort of is. It's technically like like the, the like the like little throwaway lines that Mad Max is talking about in the beginning is like, oh, I was a cop, a road warrior and a righteous cause. Like those are all referencing the the first the first Mad Max where he's a police officer on like the edge of the apocalypse and like Road Warrior is the title of the second movie and then the Righteous Cause is supposed to be Beyond Thunderdome, but also like none of that actually makes sense because Mad Max would have to be like a hundred years old or something like <laughs> like it they don't they don't take any of those details too too seriously because Mad Max is mm-hmm. supposed to be more like a like a folk hero kind of thing like the majority of the movies are like other people telling the story of Max and him like showing up and like helping out and then like going off into the wilderness again. Yeah. It's supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be like fucking like worrying too much about timelines and like with things lining up and reality. (laughs) But like within the context of the movie though, it's unbelievably consistent though. Like, yes, like even down Mm -hmm. to like the guns they have and how much bullets they have. Like there's a scene where they collect all the guns and then like, one of the characters counts all the bullets for all the guns and like, you know, like, oh, their their ammo state's really low here, but then Max goes and kills some dudes and gets more guns. Oh my god, so good. <sighs> it's very good. Under- so, yeah. Relationships between the characters are so like they're, they're they're once again both really simple to understand, but also mm-hmm. very deep and complex and like yeah. almost mythic in their like purity. Uh, it's uh like so 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 much good stuff. Yeah. yeah, and it was really interesting to see how the relationships amongst the characters developed over the course of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that you've seen that, rewatch Moana and watch the scene with the coconut guys. And then <laughs> you'll be like, oh, I get it. It's Mad Max. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. 
that was part of the reason actually I was on the lookout for Mad Max because you mentioned that before. So yeah. I'm so annoyed that that movie just came out on, on HBO Max because I just paid money to rent it on Amazon Prime. Oh, my God. oh well, you could mm. buy it and own it and give them money. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I saw it in the theater. I gave them money. That's then. true. I saw it in the theater like four times. I love that movie. It definitely looked like the sort of movie that would definitely be best appreciated in the movie theater. No. And like the last movie I dumb. saw. IMAX 3D like, was I fucking rad. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped existing while I was watching that movie. I was so immersed in my yeah. like, big comfy armchair, like I was in one of those fancy theaters, uh-huh. and like I, it was just like pure immersion and joy and comfort. And all, I just that movie was all that existed while I was watching it. So, like the movie that comes to mind when I think about that, because I didn't have the opportunity to see this in IMAX, I did see Gravity in 3D in an IMAX movie. Oh, and Gra- yeah. Gravity did really poorly in theaters. <laughs> I was the only person in the theater watching it, and it made it that much better, actually, because, like, so much of the movie is about sort of, like, isolation and whatnot. And, like, while the science is sort of, like, loose and whatnot, I really enjoyed the movie. And the plot is terrible, and the movie is bad. It's a shit movie. I thought it was great. I enjoyed it. It's trash. Overrated garbage. Yeah. Uh, clearly you only think that because you didn't see it by yourself yeah. in a 3d imax movie I, I did watch it on a plane so <laughs> not the ideal medium there's a really good uh like long interview with chris hadfield the canadian astronaut uh, where he like talks about a whole bunch of different sci-fi movies and there's like 15 minutes of that video is him ripping on gravity <laughs> yeah uh so good um anyway so that was like a double what, check this out you're in check yeah, this out yeah. jail next time. You're on probation. Oh, <laughs> do I have to wear like a metal mask until I iron it off? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to swap. I'm going to screw up Brendan. Cause I'm going to backboard off of Trevor's. You and I'm bitch. Say, on HBO max. Uh, they now have, um, Batman beyond the series. And like, I think the regular Batman animated series is now on hbo max oh shit the original one from the Beyond. 90s yeah dude so you know now you can watch that and it's probably dope as hell so yeah i mean the original batman series is so beautifully animated like yeah. i've been trying to find it for a while but like uh, they sort of have it on amazon but it's like the weird batman superman adventure which is garbage oh yeah um, no. and i'm like man i really just want to watch that original series yeah, I think the I think the original series is on there as well as Batman Beyond. Cool. And Batman Beyond is dope as hell. So. Uh, speaking, of, I mean, just just HBO Max is just rad for the stuff that it has on it because it's both a combination of HBO, but a bunch of other stuff. You can watch all Steven Universe on it now, like some yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, True Detective. Ghibli. Oh my god, all True the Ghibli movies, so lots so of things. Yeah, that's how I check this out though. My check this out is because Andy fucked me up. I'll, I'll wait for him to recommend. <laughs> I'll wait for him to recommend the other thing so that I can piggyback off him. So instead, I'll go today. Uh, uh, there's a, a delightful little indie game I've been playing called Moonlighter. Came out a couple years ago. Yes. I backed it on Kickstarter. I forgot. Oh, sick. That's that, awesome. That's how I know it, because I backed it. I saw it on PAX, I think, the year it was about to come out. Um, and I, at first, I was uh, just drawn by its like really pretty pixel art and animation. Very, very beautiful, fluid pixel animations. But um, the gameplay is really interesting, because it's like a dungeon crawl, kind of rogue light. You go in, you go to the dungeons. But what you're actually doing is collecting loot and instead of selling it to a merchant, you are the merchant. And so you take all the crap you found in the dungeon, and then you have to set up your shop and, like, sell your items and set the prices, and customers, like, come in. So you have this, like, like during the day you're a merchant, and then during the night you moonlight as a, as a hero and an adventurer. And so you, you kind of, like, get richer and richer, you upgrade your shop. 
you unlock new dungeons, get more valuable items, and uh, you're, yeah. you're worth of your, you upgrade your own equipment. So you have to kind of like balance whether you want to be selling the equipment or, uh, or, or, or I'm sorry, selling the resources or buying or, or upgrading the equipment yourself. Like, so it's, it's fun. Uh, kind of relaxing, right? Like, like you can you can play you know you can play intensely uh, and kill a bunch of monsters, or sometimes you just hang out and sell crap in your shop. Yeah, it's it's uh, really surprisingly chill for being like kind of roguelikey in a way. Um, like the shop part is like a mini game in terms of like you need to like figure out what price point to make like maximum profit off of whereas like will people actually buy it will people not you have to like read their like facial expression that pops up in a little like icon window and sometimes um, items go higher or lower in demand so then the prices will be affected there yeah there's also like rich customers come in i haven't actually figured out how to exploit them yet but i will i don't know yeah there's also thieves <laughs> you have to watch out for thieves can yeah. you stab them chop um, off their hands no <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think you can uh, maybe set up a honeypot. Just here, go steal this. <laughs> and uh, it's it's available PC and like I have it on PlayStation Four, I think. But it's also on Switch, and I think like that's probably mm. wait, maybe I have it on Switch. I can't remember. Um, it's it's great for like just laying in your bed or like lounging. It's a good lounging game. That's so that's called Moonlighter. I'll go next. I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, but there's this Icelandic band that I'm going to recommend called Dadi Ferher. I'm going to, we'll put the text somewhere. Um, it's really great. They're kind of poppy and upbeat and super fun. Most of their music is in English, but their name is unpronounceable in English. So I don't know. If you want <laughs> fun music to listen to, do that. What's it's the great. name of a song that they sing that is pronounced? No, I don't know. None of them are. <laughs> <laughs> try try and make mouth noises. Yeah, up the, uh, I want to hear this. Yeah, Ganamanagigio. <laughs> the English cool. title is "Think About Things." Oh, well, I know that's great. Go. I'll put some uh, Icelandic text to speech in there so you get the correct pronunciation. Yeah, there's text to speech on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> listen to them; they're great. You'll love it. They've been stuck in my head for the last two weeks while we've been on weird holiday vacation is there any music that like you can think of or another band that like i can that you'd be like is kind of like that i don't know or is there <laughs> nothing nothing like them what does he look I, like spotify radio yeah, i don't know what do you, you just listen to the music and see if you like it you idiot <laughs> i'm talking to you the listener <laughs> just put it in the ears hey Check you, this out. You decided. <laughs> this is less of a hey, check this out. More of me like grabbing you by the collar. And being like, hey, fucking check this out. Hey. <laughs> what are you doing? See if you like it. <laughs> maybe you don't like it. Maybe you don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I like it. That should be enough for you. <laughs> hey, Andy, how's that jangly ice working out? Yeah, it's so good. This, you're not editing this episode, are you? <laughs> just, just leave it why, don't we, why don't we eat some some nuts we, we'll eat a, a bowl of salad in the background that's what we should do or a bowl of pasta yeah. aggressively that's like fuck I... up the audio in each other's episodes mm -hmm. so just make it more painful of an experience the I mean, feud like, of the Andes. just leave the ice in like I, I would leave it in like I'd just be like yeah it's fucking ice like <laughs> 
Well, now I have to leave it in because you talked about it. Yeah, I know. It's just like you can just cut all of this out. Just cut it all Uh, out. Everything. Just the episode is lost. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, listen to our. Yeah, but then it's not going to make any sense when we name the episode after it. Oh. It's just going to be called Due to Ice Related Complications. We deleted this episode and it goes. <laughs> or we just play Mike's weird music. Yeah, <laughs> listen to it. Or don't. I'm not your dad. All right, forward, forward. You? Do your thing. Do your <laughs> All right. I have another music related thing that you can actually pronounce. Uh, it's a YouTube channel called 8 Bit Music Theory. <gasps> um, I love those guys. Yeah. So they make videos about um, just the music and games. They do a lot of kind of deep kind of music theory analysis of like chords and stuff, but you don't really need to know music theory to understand the stuff, but it helps. Um, so they kind of talk about how the structure of the music kind of relates to the themes of the game or the lyrics. If it's like a song with vocals. Um, yeah, just really cool stuff about game music. I was watching the video about, uh, Baka Mitai and that song fucking kicks ass. I love that song so much. <laughs> That's the one from Yakuza. It's like the crazy meme. Mm. You know? Everybody's heard that song. Have I? I don't know. If I have. Yeah. He's like, yes, you have. You know, dame dame, yeah, dame yo, dame no no, yeah, yeah. that one. <laughs> they do all the weird no. lip sync, the no. TikTok lip syncing yeah. to it. Here, I'll, I'll look it up. I'll tell you if I've seen it. <laughs> yes, let's let's all sit in silence. All right, uh, all right. Let me let me click on this. This should not be part of the episode. <laughs> Anyways, we should end this fucking podcast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at a Minler. Where can people find you, jerks? I am also on Twitter. You can. F- I am at the Brendo. I'm on Twitter at Heckbringer. And I am on Twitter at Radhesian, also adhesion.bandcamp.com and soundcloud.com slash adhesion. And you can contact with all of us at Team Radmars on Twitter, Radmars to itch.io, dio, 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 <laughs> and radmars.com. Dio? Dio! Hora! <laughs> 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 What just happened? Careful. If you sing so accurately, we're going to get DMCA. We're going to get DMCA. <laughs> so I was just going to say, music in this podcast usually yeah. by Andrew Ford, but that time it was actually. But now it's all by Mike's mouth. Yeah, I can play that at half speed, including the harmonics. Yeah. Rashi, do you want to do all of the sort of like random Red Marks themes that we use throughout the thing with your mouth right now? So we can edit them in. No, 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 no. Red Mars. <laughs> but then you got to do the rest of the song. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, you just test it to the segments that get edited into the episode. Yeah, I don't, I don't just... actually remember what else is in the episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I give up. Aw. <laughs> you can put that little sound bit in for the, in the check out. <laughs> check this out, Stinger. <laughs> Low code it. Okay, the other credit I have to give is Andrew Ford for editing this episode. Yes. Correct. <laughs> you nailed it. Sucker. Yeah. Hey, this is a short one, maybe. Yeah. Except you gotta surgically remove all of that ice. Or not. No. <laughs> the more no, you no. talk about <laughs> it, the more it has to stay in. <laughs> so talk about it more. That means I don't have to do anything about it. Yeah, he's gonna copy and paste it and make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be the ambient noise the entire time through. <laughs> he's gonna like he's gonna record extra ice noise and then just play it and just blame it on me and be like, man, he just fucking all throughout this episode. You need like, do, like pouring gonna... ice out onto a glass table. Like... <laughs> Andy, like, it's so loud. Why why are you doing that right now? Stop it. Dude, I can't hear anything. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it.
Stop it. He's like throwing Stop ice against ice. like a metal can. The ice is too much. <laughs> Vanilla ice. I think ice. you need to put the ice sound through an auto tuner and then play the Radmars theme mm -hmm. using this ice, mm. you know, sound effect. I was going to say play the first uh, musical sequence out of the movie Frozen where they're cutting up ice oh. and moving it around. <laughs> you know, I don't remember what that sounds like. So... So that song is like Lincoln's favorite song. Mm. And whenever it comes on, he goes and grabs his like wooden kitchen knife and starts stabbing the ground. <laughs> <laughs> like, you yes, stab the ground in that song. Yep. It starts with a giant saw blade coming at you through the ice. That's sick. Yep. Maybe he could be an Icelandic man. That's yeah, what maybe. they do in Iceland, right? He's a Norse boy. He's covered in ice. <laughs> Goddamn. This is going so off the rails. We finished. <laughs> let's end it. Okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. And thank you guys for being here. We already ended it. I thought that we were just in the banter. Like, we're just hanging out. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Say goodbye, Mike. Oh. Goodbye, Mike. God damn it. Yeah.